So Money episode 983, Ask Farnoosh a Replay. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It's Friday. Raise your hand if anybody out there has like an early dismissal on Friday from work. In New York, especially in the media world, I don't know if it's just um, our industry, but a lot of um, companies will release the employees early on Friday. It's called like, you know, early Fridays or whatever. Summer Fridays. Yeah. It's been a while since I've worked at a desk in a company, but um, summer Fridays, my husband gets to take off summer Fridays. Very fun. Nice to be able to have that benefit. And if you're listening to this show as you're enjoying your summer Friday, really appreciate you taking the time to connect with our community here. We've got a lot of good questions to answer. We have a special co-host who's super experienced and fun. I'm going to bring her on stage in just a second. Wanted to share something fun with you. Uh, this week, I taped a quote unquote live episode of So Money at a beautiful space in New York City called Luminary. Luminary is a uh, kind of a gathering place for female professionals, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work at a company. It's this beautiful kind of co-working space, but really a meeting place for women. And part of what they have going on there is programming and workshops. I hosted my media workshop there back in May. And over uh, this week on on Wednesday, I actually hosted a live podcast with uh, the co-founder and CEO of Stash Wealth, Priya Milani. She and I did an interview in front of over 100 women and men at Luminary. It was sponsored by Birchbox. And, you know, if you're following me in my newsletter um, on social media, you might be hearing how I'm trying to shake things up a little bit as I go in for the home stretch of a thousand episodes here on So Money. So as as part of that effort, I'm trying to do more live podcasts. So if you're listening and you'd like me to come and do a live podcast at your office, at your WeWork, at your co-working space, at your house, I don't care. I'll come. I'll come. I got my gear. Uh, we just got to work together to make sure it's a good audience. And um, it's my way of connecting in person, in real life with the audience that has so helped build this show to its to its rise. And, uh, you know, having co-hosts on Fridays is part of that way to connect with listeners, but really hoping to really get in front of the live audience uh, as we, you know, bring this episode or rather this podcast to a thousand episodes, which is going to be over the next year. So we've got the time. And as you listen and as you think about how to really make this, these last hundred episodes super special. Think about, you know, how I can also shake things up in other ways. And I'm open to your ideas if there are certain kind of guests that you'd like me to have, certain topics you'd like me to cover. And by the way, what am I going to do for episode 1000? I'm really nervous. Um, cause also I don't know if iTunes goes up that far <laughs> as far as being able to like have a number 1000 in the iTunes library, but. That we will cross that bridge. Uh, but in the meantime, let me know what I should do for the 1000th episode. Should I do it live from the New York Stock Exchange? Should I do it? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm running out of creative ideas. <laughs> That's why I need you guys to tell me what to do. Let's crowdsource this. 
In the meantime, still looking forward to having some incredible co-hosts on these Friday episodes. If you'd like to join me to sift through our listeners' questions, it's really simple. Just tap me on Instagram, direct message me there at Farnoosh Tarabi. You can email me. You can send me a message through the website. If you go to somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh, there you can also let me know that you're interested in co-hosting with me. All right. But without further ado, we'd love to bring on on the stage our co-host for today who did reach out, and I'm so thrilled she did. Katie Hogan. She's a financial planner with Element Financial Group. And um, before that, she spent three years running her own virtual firm, Hogan Financial Planning. And she serves the needs of millennials, which is so many of our listeners. And she's also the author of a funny book, informative book called The Millennial's Guide to Getting Your SHIT Together. And um, she's also a humor writer. She's a performer. I feel very much a kindred spirit in, in Katie Hogan. And it, I'm laughing at her her headshot, which has her with a piece of avocado over one eye. And of course, avocado being the, the new latte, right? Uh, don't eat the avocado, everybody. Then you'll be able to retire on time. Not. Katie, welcome to So Money. Hi, Farnoosh. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I got to ask, you know, your humor writing mixed with your financial acumen, how do those two worlds collide? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a well, long story short, um, I started kind of pursuing both at the same time. And then when I was running my my own firm, um, I I just didn't have a way to stand out from the crowd. And so uh, I kind of had this epiphany that if I combined humor with uh, financial literacy and and personal finance that I would be able to kind of break through as something a little bit different. Uh, and and that sort of worked. Um, there was a, there's a great Michelle Obama quote where she says, uh, first you get them to laugh, then you get them to listen. And that is kind of my motto in life. Yeah, it, it, it is so true. Um, laughter is, is just a great way to disarm, uh, you know, disarm people and to gain trust and uh, to really lighten the mood. And um, I have found that it's it's a really great tool in, in financial planning and also to um, try to teach people about uh, finances and that it's not rocket science and it can be kind of fun. Mm. So. Yeah. And money's emotional. And if we're not crying... We should be laughing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know. And life is tough. And so we have to um, try to insert laughter where we can. Who are some of your favorite comedians? Oh, gosh. Uh, there's so many. Um, I'm a really big Amy Schumer fan. So I, I love and I love what she's been doing recently. Yeah. With, she just had a baby. And, and uh, so she's <laughs> kind of uh, making a lot of great jokes about uh, being a new mom. And um, so, yeah, I would say she's probably my favorite. But, you know, I'm a Carol Burnett fan. Mm. And um, I have grew up watching Saturday Night Live. So I love sketch comedy. And it's hard to pick a favorite. It's It, it really is. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say... Um, Right now, I, I, as far as stand-up goes, I love Amy, and um, yeah, that's, that's. Do you kind perform stand-up? Do you perform sketch comedy? I, I've dabbled in stand-up, mm-hmm. um, but I, I do mostly uh, sketch comedy. So I actually just relocated uh, not that long ago up to New York. And before that, I was down in, in Georgia and in, in the Atlanta area. And I was um, working with a theater called Sketchworks Theater, uh, writing and performing with them for the past few years. And, and I've still been able to stay active with them, which is really nice, even though I'm in New York. So yeah, it's been really, uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun and a great, uh, great way to relieve stress and, and, uh, have a creative outlet. 
I love it. 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 As Molly <laughs> Shannon would say on SNL. Oh, she's awesome too. <laughs> she's great. I once was behind her in line um, at like a bakery in New York City and I could just – I just knew she was behind me because her voice is so iconic. Um, she, was ordering, she, was ordering a, she was ordering a croissant. She said it like that. Croissant. I don't pronounce things actually – in the native tongue, um, even though I know very well that the French call it a croissant, but in New York it's a croissant. <laughs> I, I was really impressed that she was sticking to the the French, you know, the French pronunciation. Yeah. Well, so, I feel like if she's if she's going to order that way, now I have to. Like, right? I, I I'll never be able to call it a croissant again. It's a croissant. <laughs> a croissant. Uh, but again, are you ready to answer some money questions? Oh, I am excited. This is like the, you know, your dreams are coming true right now. Um, I love it. Barb has a question. And first I'm going to, I'm going to share the whole question because it's a little, um, you know, it's flattering. I'm just going to say it. She (laughs) said that she recently started listening to the show and she loves it. L-O-V-E, all caps. She's telling all her girlfriends, her coworkers, even her mother to tune in. And she's also reading, listening to the book, When She Makes More. Thank you, Barb. I'm so excited to have you in the audience. And I really appreciate this question. She says, I have a Roth 401k through my place of employment, and they are matching up to 50% on the first 6% of my income, which is amazing. I I think that's pretty much Mm -hmm. as good as it gets, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. She says what she can do is contribute up to 10% of her income, which is great. And so wondering, should she also sign up for the traditional 401k and have both up to the max of the match? It seems like free money, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Listen, I feel like more is more when it comes to saving for retirement. And if you have that quote unquote free money option, you should go for it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's amazing that her company uh, does that in the first place. And of course, if she can afford it, I would say absolutely go for it uh, by all means. It, it, like she said, it, it is free money. Um, and, and if you do, you know, if you don't contribute up to the max, then you are sort of leaving it on the table, uh, which is cliche. But it's true. Um, And in general, you know, we we always suggest contributing enough to receive the full match. Um, But if if it seems like a lot, I would suggest maybe looking at your monthly budget. And if contributing that much is going to maybe impede on your ability to um, to pay rent or your mortgage, then you you maybe want to consider how you could reduce uh, your other monthly costs um, so that you can uh, contribute the full amount um, and receive that full match. But uh, like you said, it's it's free money and and do what you can to take it. Yeah, or spread it over the two. So I, from what I under, understand, yeah. she's got these this Roth 401k and the traditional 401k. Both have different tax implications. It's all about, um, you know, this brings up the discussion of like tax diversification in mm-hmm. retirement. Um, so, you know, the whole point of the, of the Roth 401k and Roth IRA is that if you believe your tax bracket will be lower in retirement, then you should, you know, uh, contribute to a Roth. And then a traditional, of course, helps you decrease your tax income now, but you'll pay taxes later. So it's all about when do you want to pay the IRS now or later? Um, and, but we don't really know, you know, what tax brackets will look look like decades from now. We don't know what life will bring for us. So it's a good idea to have, um, you know, your tax free assets, uh, your tax deferred and your taxable. And so the Roth 401k and the traditional, uh, will help you fill those first two buckets at least. For starters, maybe do what you can to earn the match on both plans. And then as your income grows, 
you can increase your contributions either with the Roth or the traditional. Um, but it's great to have both, right? Because as we talked about, you know, diversifying your tax exposure. Okay. Our next question is from Carolyn Katie, and she says that she just started listening to the podcast. She just started her career and is about to start managing her money. Great job, Carolyn. Way to, you know, take charge. I love hearing from young listeners that are trying to arm themselves with knowledge, listening to podcasts. Sounds like so far you're on a great path. Her question though is about saving and investing. Uh, Wants to know, is a high-yield savings account a good path for saving? She also wants to start investing but doesn't know where to start. She's a little curious about acorns. So we just started – we just ended, uh, Katie, you know, talking about the 401k, the Roth 401k. And I would say to Carolyn – when it comes to investing, a great place to start would be that workplace option, that workplace benefit, yeah. um, especially if there is a match to take advantage of that. You can automate your contributions out of every paycheck. It's very simple, very streamlined. And if you get that match, it's basically free money. So contributing up to that match would be a great place to start. You know, Acorns is the sort of thing where I feel like, look, if you don't have access to a workplace 401k, and you've already perhaps opened up a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, and you want to do a little bit more, Acorns could be great. The thing about Acorns is that it's very nominal. Like you're not investing, you know, it's not designed necessarily to promote like pouring in a lot of money at once. Um, it's the, the idea is that it takes your expenses that you make on a credit card or a debit card, rounds it up to the nearest dollar and takes that change and puts it in a diversified investment portfolio for you, which is great for people who like maybe don't have a lot of money to invest at first or want to invest more on the go. I think it can be a great way to get in the market in a way that is diversified and risk adjusted and all of the things that are really good as far as, you know, what we talk about investing principles. But um, as a primary way to invest for your future, no, I'd say it's a good supplement, right? Would you agree? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and I, I agree with you um, that the employer's, uh, her employer's retirement plan is, is a great place to start. Um, if she's thinking about investing uh, uh, outside of, of retirement, um, I would I would suggest that you should start by writing down your goals and then organizing them by time horizon. So you've got your short-term goals, intermediate and long-term goals. And I, I think this is the best place to start because it provides an actual uh, visual of what you're working toward. Um, and then you can kind of decide how you want to allocate your money um, uh, towards those goals, which ones are more urgent than the others. Um, and, that, and that's going to ultimately decide how you invest your money is, is by those goals. So, um, yeah, so emergency funds got to gotta be in place first. And I think a high yield savings account, um, the only thing with those is that sometimes they have higher minimum balances. Um, but if you can do it, yeah, absolutely take advantage of those, of those higher interest rates. Um, so once you've got your emergency fund in place, then the next step would be your employer's retirement plan. And then after that, um, you can, you can do some other stuff, which is, uh, you know, all based on your risk tolerance, your time horizon, your goals. Um, and if you need you know, more help after that, I would definitely suggest uh, working with a financial planner. We can help you decide all, all those sorts of things, you know, what, what to choose, what to, what to do, uh, what to focus on, and, and how to allocate. So, yeah, good job, Carolyn. That's a, you're on the right path for sure. Yeah, and Carolyn, I would just say make it automatic. You know, whether you go with the high-yield savings account or some sort of other savings vehicle, 
when you do invest, that you do it automatically out of every paycheck. And that way you commit much more easily, you know, to that goal. It's not something that you have to remind yourself to do. You know, they find that just as humans, we are not prone to doing these things on our own. Holding ourselves accountable is very difficult. So have a have some sort of automation in place so that you always hit that goal. Yeah, I'm I'm really big on automation just because uh, it's going to force you to do the right thing every single month or however often you're allocating um, automatically to these accounts. Um, And you don't even have to think about it. So it's out of sight, out of mind, and you're just doing the right thing over and over without having to really use any brain power. Yes. All right. Tisha um, says that she commutes over an hour to work both ways and has been listening to the podcast to fill up that time with something educational. Right on, Tisha. I would probably sleep during the commute, but that's just because of where I am in my life right now. But I, I really appreciate that. I mean, let's be honest. That's what people always listen to podcasts when they're multitasking or commuting, which is great. It's not like you, you know, reading a book is a lot harder when you're, you know, on the go. She says, you're teaching me so much about finances. Um, up until recently, I never knew about um, some of these uh, principles. And the more I learn, the more interested I become. So thank you for making my mornings a learning experience. My pleasure, Tisha. She says, my question is this. My company recently started offering 401ks with no match. She's 28 and just opened up a Roth IRA this year to start putting away money for retirement, admittedly a little late in the game. She's comfortable saving about 10 to 15% of every paycheck every month towards this. And she's aiming to increase the number um, as she earns more. Do you recommend that I split my savings between the two accounts or put all my funds in one or the other? I want to be as generous to my future self as possible. Aw. I think that's really great. I mean, I think that, look, the Roth IRA has a limit, right? It's like 6500 or 6000 right? Yep. $6,000 this year for you at at age 28. So maybe do that, max it out. And then with whatever you have left, put that in the 401k. But uh, I like the idea of, again, straddling both a 401k and a Roth IRA because of the different tax exposures in retirement, which again, if you're not knowing what our tax situation is going to be down the road, it's nice to have a little bit of both options of paying taxes versus not paying taxes in the future. So I like the idea of doing both. And I like the idea of the 15%, maybe the higher end of that range because she's a little bit late to the savings game. But Mm -hmm. maybe first step is just to kind of run some calculators, right? How much will she need in her future life? There's calculators online at places like NerdWallet and where else? Uh, AARP, choose to save.org has a retirement calculator that will allow you to sort of see that future number and then think about, okay, given that I'm 28, I haven't started saving yet or investing yet, what do I need to really do on a monthly basis to get there? Um, but I like the idea of doing both and I like the idea of doing about 15%. Sounds about right to me. Any any other advice for our friend Tisha, Katie? Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. I, I do agree with you um, to focus on the Roth first, max that out if you can, and then um, go back to your your 401k, put in as much as you can there. So if you're at 15%, I, I always tell people, you know, if you can 
inch that up every year to get closer to 20, uh, 20% of your, of your income going into uh, savings and investing, um, that'd be great. So if you can get to 15 this year, maybe next year, try to get to 16. And then the year after that, 17. And if you can do, do even more than that, that's really wonderful. But I think definitely for sure, uh, the Roth is a great way to go. Um, and then, and then uh, contribute to your 401k as well. Um, and, and try your best to hit that 15% mark. Yeah, for sure. Tisha, good luck to you and hope the podcast keeps you awake (laughs) on your commutes. All right, Victoria, last question here. She says, I recently got married and we've been together for 10 years. So together for 10 years, recently got married. She says, we have built our lives together, but we have separate bank accounts. We're now talking about combining some money to create a household account. He uses a credit union. I use a bank. Is there a benefit to either? Does it matter? Uh, this I would say, you know, uh, hmm. I, I Are you married, Katie? I am, yes. Okay. So maybe we just extract from our personal experiences because this is really a personal decision. Although I would say that if the credit union has really – better interest rates, better terms as far as, you know, monthly fees, monthly minimums. I would go with the bank that is just generally more attractive, right? Depending on what your goals are uh, as far as where this joint account should go. And I think that part of what I'm sensing and maybe because I went through it and I'm, I'm maybe seeing myself a little bit in this question is like, we're each attached to our own financial institutions, right? So the idea of like having a new account somewhere else might not be that exciting. You know, oh, I have to like a new login. It's like a separate place. I'm not familiar with how the website works. I'm not familiar with, you know, this bank. I get it. So there is going to be a little bit of a of a transition for one of you. But you could also just have it at a whole brand new place. You know, just like a neutral territory. And that again may depend on the provisions at each of your banks, if they're both unattractive, maybe it's finding a new place to start a new account there. But um, well, how do you and your partner go about this, Katie? Yeah. So, well, this is, I, I think, a great time. Well, first of all, congratulations, Victoria. Very exciting. Um, but I do think that this is a great time to kind of sit down and do some homework together, which is not, I know, what new couples want, uh, newlyweds want to hear, but it's a good time to do your homework to kind of compare and contrast uh, your credit union to your bank, like, you know, not knowing which credit union and bank you use. Um, I would write out a list of of everything that's good about each. um, And, you know, what are some of the cons about each and then kind of decide how do we want to do this, which kind of leads into a bigger discussion of how do you want to combine your finances? Um, Do you want to use like, I, for one, like the hybrid method, Um, my husband and I, use that where I still have, um, my own savings account. I have my own credit card. Um, but we have, we have our own, uh, a combined, ch- uh, joint account checking account that we use to pay our bills. Um, and from there we can allocate money, uh, to our individual goals and then our goals as a couple. So, I, I think this is just a good time. You're at a fresh place, uh, at the big beginning of your marriage where you can really sit down and figure out, okay, you know, where do we want to do our banking? Um, how do we want to allocate our money? Um, you know, how are we going to save to, toward our individual goals and then our goals as a couple? Um, and so I think this is kind of part of, part of a bigger discussion. Um, 
But it really, I hate, I hate saying it depends, but which credit union or bank you go with, it really depends. So um, <laughs> that's kind of the answer right there. But, um, it, you know, it's a good time to sit down and do some research and, and find out, um, you know, where you should put your money. That's really good advice because, yeah, part of this is a technical equation, right? Like where yes. where is our money best going to grow and what is most accessible to us? What will be the most cost-efficient place as far as maybe fees and other sorts of uh, fine print that banks sometimes tack on to accounts? Uh, but it also it's an emotional question. And I talk about this in my last book, When She Makes More, which, yeah, it's for breadwinners. But I think the advice is universal when it comes to figuring out as a couple how to navigate your finances together. And it is a combination of the the the, the, situ- the the arrangement you make is really a combination of what makes the most practical sense and then what makes the most sense given each of our sensitivities around money, right? So this is really a good time, as Katie said, to sit down and talk about, you know, maybe you've not had this conversation, even though you've been together for 10 years, but really talking about your money feels, your money feelings, and going back and talking about what money means to you and what kinds of associations you have with money, what what are your goals, all of the things, because those do, you know, directly or inadvertently impact um, your preferences when it comes to how you design your financial life together. And it's just good to have that baseline and that understanding before you make any money moves. But I think they're right. going to be yeah. okay. I think they're going to be okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always suggest making it a date night. And I know that sounds very weird, but <laughs> I think it's a good idea um, to make money, you know, it, money isn't going to be romantic all the time, but um, it kind of takes some pressure off when you have got a good glass of wine um, by your mm-hmm. side. Um, you can have a nice conversation. Yeah, or whatever, a matcha latte, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want. But that's, a, that's all the rage right now, the matcha. You, I know it. Do you, I know it. I'm not I'm, participating. I'm, not really it. It. I, I'm, I'm like, I don't understand it, but um, it's just one of those things that millennials are wasting their money on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, go have that latte, whatever you That's want. Right. Just you know, build your build your finances around that to be able to have your rich life, as my friend Ramit Sethi says. All right, yes. Katie, thank you so so much. We're really excited that you reached out to co-host with me. Everybody, check out elementfinancialgroup.com where you can learn more about Katie and her firm and her book, which is called Millennials Guide to Getting Your S-H-I-T together. I'm not going to say the four-letter word because then I have to make this an explicit episode, which I don't care about, but often I forget. And then <laughs> iTunes might boot me out of the library because of it. Oh, we don't want that to happen. And I you know, want that to they be have. Not because of explicitness, <laughs> but because like, well, I'm not going to go down that path. It's <laughs> iTunes can be a little finicky. Um, even though we love it, it's, it's sort of just, I got to play by the rules. So Thank you very much. Hope you have a great weekend. And everybody listening, I hope your weekend is so money. Money.